Yo. Head up, think fast. You're about to feel the blast. It's the dopest podcast on the net. Oh, yeah. All us geeks, fresh your bet. We round the world, we round the net. So get ready and get set. Cause we make it look easy, no sweat. Jeff and Jordan, the host. Yeah, they be the best. From the north to the south, to the east, to the west. They cover movies, comics, TV shows, books. These guys gonna get you hooked. Don't stop now, just take a look. And don't forget to sign our Facebook. Cause what they doing is board games, video games. Yeah, they on it. They fly like a comet. Interviews is up. This podcast is pure. Give voice to your inner geek, that's for sure. Geek out any topic. No one ain't gonna ever, ever stop it. So if you wanna go and get it on, then head to allisgeeks.com. Oh, yeah. Welcome to All Us Geeks. I'm Jeff King. And I may or may not be Jordan Steinhoff. <laughs> and we're here to give voice to your inner geek. Apparently, one of your inner geeks is in hiding. Could be. Could <laughs> right, be. Right. Depending on what you need, the Canadian may be here. <laughs> or not. I was on vacation. It went to CT Fig. And how'd that go? It was good. It was a good vacation overall, and it was a good event. Uh, saw some cool things. Got to talk to some people that I've done work for, for Alice Geeks, and a bunch of people that listen to the Game Crafter podcast and stuff like that. So it was a good trip overall. Came back with a couple games for us to review. And were you a harsh critic, <laughs> guaranteed never to be asked back again? Probably. <laughs> I think I've, I found that... I do have a little bit of a different opinion than some of the other judges, it seems like. So there was a little back and forth on some stuff. That's okay. The only other thing, too, was like there wasn't enough. It was a one-day event, and there was not enough time to get to every game. So that kind of sucked. So there were certain games that I had to kind of rely on what everybody else thought of them because I didn't get a chance to check them out. And like most things, like there was one game, like they had – you had to have a minimum of six players, and like three of the judges were standing there, and nobody was coming, so we had to go do other games. And I, I never got back to it. I know two of the guys that were with me got to get back to it, but I never did. But that's just—it's kind of a harsh requirement and something like that, especially if you know you got to get through and try to get to every game. Mm-hmm. Uh, having that minimum of six is not a good idea. <laughs> well. Even once it's published, a minimum six is a is a hard sell. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, I, yeah, it it wasn't a party game either. Well, I don't know. There's if it is, it's a weird party game. <laughs> I don't know, but no, it was a lot of fun. So went through that. Got said got to hang out with a bunch of people. Got to meet a bunch of people for the first time, and got to play a bunch of of cool kind of games in the making, which were you know across the spectrum. It was. Almost like judging a protospiel in some fashion. There was, you know, the guy with a really solid game but no artwork yet, all the way to here's pretty much the finished game in its own box already, you know, that kind of thing. This game is great. I've really got a great mental image of what all those blank <laughs> cards are going to look like. Uh, uh, <laughs> also got to give some advice to somebody that thought they were going to Kickstarter in like a month or two and didn't have their final game yet, hadn't talked to reviewers, hadn't done... So I uh, I talked to him for a while and then I sat him down with Diane Diane Sauer Sauer 
I don't remember how to spell how to say Diane's last name, but from uh, Shoot Again Games. So I've done some work with her on some of her Kickstarters before her and her husband Nick. So I was like, you should talk to Diane about Kickstarter as well. If you don't, if you don't think I know what I'm talking about, go talk to Diane, who's run like three of them now. <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. Of course, you had something going on last time we were going to record, so we didn't get to do that. Mm-hmm. So here we are. So yeah, I think that's all I really had for general. So should we go on? Yes, let's do this thing. All right. So game review sponsored by Michael Mendez. Thank you very much, Michael, for sponsoring us on Patreon so that we can talk about games and uh, decide if we like them or not. <laughs> oh, I should see if the nerf herders have their stuff in public domain. Probably not. <laughs> okay. They're the dudes that did the theme for Buffy. <laughs> All right. So you might have somewhat guessed by that. We're doing Firefly. Exactly. <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer colon the board game 2016 edition. Not to be confused with Buffy the Vampire Slayer colon the board game 2000 edition. <laughs> Which I think that's the version I have too. I think there's one other one too, but I have or any of the other <laughs> highly panned Buffy the Vampire yeah. Slayer colon whatever games. <laughs> I did see um, they're doing a legendary. Yep, it's going to be I, released at Gen Con. Yeah, I was a little disappointed it wasn't a legendary Encounters. I was disappointed it's not going to be an Encounters, but. I mean, I think they did a good job making Big Trouble in Little China unique with the, the, cause I don't know if you've played that yet, but they've no. got mediocre heroes as well as your regular heroes. So they've, they've started expanding the mechanics beyond just the regular legendary. And for legendary Buffy, they said they're going to have a light and a dark track <clears throat> and your actions and how you do stuff is going to move you along there mm-hmm. and manipulate you that way. I suppose that makes a little more sense. Than, it's thematic to the show. Right, than what I was originally thinking, because I was a little upset that it wasn't an Encounters, just because Encounters is more cooperative yes. versus the semi-cooperative. But you're, you're right. I guess overall for the show, you could kind of go either way, and and yeah. Okay. But that's not the one we're reviewing, because it's not even out yet. <laughs> so, But I'm picking it up at Gen Con, so this could oh, be a hey, two-Buffy year. The year of Buffy. Overshadows While we wait year. for the year of Shadow Run to finish. <laughs> <laughs> and on the subject of Catalyst games that may or may not ever come out, I pre ordered Dragonfire. Oh. With nothing else. <laughs> yeah. Just that. Just that. So, yeah. <laughs> that would be my fear too. Um I've already canceled three things that Catalyst said was coming out so I could get the rest of my order. Can I have my games that I've paid for, please? (laughs) Three years ago. (laughs) We love you, Catalyst, when you put stuff out. You do. Good stuff, too. (laughs) All right. But (laughs) that is also not (laughs) Not, what we're talking about. Not what we're talking about today. (laughs) Talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, colon the board game, 2016 edition by Jasco. Hugh Jasco? Sure. (laughs) 
low-hanging fruit. That's my bar today. <laughs> so uh, the Buffy game is a co-op game. And basically, you will be trying to defeat one of several big bads. You can choose. You can randomize. And in order to defeat said big bad, you got to get through three plot points for each big bad. And to get to those plot points, you have to go through the Monsters of the Week. <clears throat> and so there will be three Monsters of the Week for each big bad. That's randomized. And they will give you clues to reveal the plots for the big bad. And then you've got to basically remove those three plot points in order to defeat the big bad. That is, I will point out, technical terms. Mm -hmm. They are the big bad and the monster Monster of the the week. week. We're not just channeling our inner Buffy lingo here. (laughs) Yes, Those are actual terms. And while you're trying to get to the monster of the be the monster of the week and the big bad, you will be dealing with baddies. Yes. <laughs> which are vampires and demons. And trying to save townies. <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> we saved one that last game. <laughs> we saved one. <laughs> It was more of an afterthought. In we, our def- we we noticed that he survived the round. <laughs> In our defense, we only lost three. It's I mean, true. the other three wounds were just straight Wound, up yeah, us taking damage. <laughs> yes, I did plant myself for a while so that they didn't take a couple townies and I kept taking the damage. Xander's the man. <laughs> yes. I did not write down like all everybody you could be, but it's Buffy, Xander... Willow, Willow, Giles, Spike uh, and Angel, Spike and Angel. Yep. yep, that's all six. So those are the playable characters. <clears throat> Our last game was Xander and Willow facing everything, and and we did pretty damn good. I will we say. did, we did. <laughs> all right. So in a normal game, I'm not going to go through setup because there's a lot to the setup. You can check that out. But basically, once you get everything set up, the board seated for however many players you're going to have. During a round, everybody gets to do their action. So you'll have four actions that you're able to take, and one of them is your special. So you get four tokens, I should say, <clears throat> to start with. And you can use those four tokens represent you using your actions. One of the four is a special token, which you can use to use your character's special ability. Or one of the basic actions that you can take. But anytime you spend your special action token, and you're going to have to, because uh, you got to use all tokens before the round basically moves on, you're going to trigger a plot effect, which usually means a vampire or, and or demon or multiple are coming out on the board, and then some specialized text at the end, which could be a bunch of different things, some... Some of the baddies might move. Some uh, townie might suddenly become a vampire or demon. Just all kinds of different things can happen in, in that. It's just read the card and, and trigger the three effects that are on it. And the first two effects are usually either putting demons, or town, uh, demons vampires, or townies on the board, basically. And then so you'll, you'll spend your actions in round, in round robin style. So you'll spend an action, then the next player will spend an action. And you keep going until all of the action tokens are used. And again, that includes your special actions. I want to say, what is it? It's uh, your basic actions are fight, search, search, fight, 
<coughs> move. Move. There wasn't a fourth one? Well, you got your special. Your special, but I thought there there wasn't a four. I didn't look okay. at everybody else's. I have a fourth basic, which is a specialized fight. Oh, okay. Willow, I, I should say. Yeah, I don't think. I don't know if everybody Everybody had. didn't have a specialized. Okay. So, yeah, you have your, your basic actions where you can. Well, okay. The other one would be use the uh, location. Oh, yes, ability. the location. That, ability. That's what the fourth yeah. one is I'm thinking of. So you can search no matter where you are, no matter what's in this, the area with you. Grabs two cards. Fight is basically typically against a vampire unless you have something that you can also use against a demon. And then <clears throat> move. Characters are allowed to move anywhere on the board with a movement action which is kind of nice, so you travel around pretty fast. And then if there are no active vampires or demons or Monster of the Week or Big Bad on your spot, you can use the special ability of the location if it has one. And those are, you know, the 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 big one that we like to use was that there were spots where you can get very specific things out of the deck instead of doing random searches because you need... Because in order to defeat everything that we're talking about, you need certain items to proceed before you can actually do any kind of a check. So if something says we need a cross and garlic, we got to go find the cross and garlic before we can actually go over and try to deal with the monster of the week So or the big bad. Mm-hmm. All right. So everybody does their actions, and then you move on to basically the monster activation once all the players have done their stuff. And that's basically first they they activate in order. It goes uh, big bad, monster of the week, and then the baddies. Activate is usually where they are taking something out. So like the baddies, uh, for sure, they're trying to kill townies if they can. If they can't, they're going to wound characters if they can. Monster of the week may do something similar, but it's usually a special ability on their card Mm -hmm. that they might do during their activation. Same kind of goes with big bads. The only other thing I think with big bads is they always, if there's characters in their location, they also wound them above and beyond any special ability they might have on their card. And then they, then there's the move phase. So once they've all activated and decided if they're killing anything or wounding anything, then they go on to how they move. And move is pretty much, it goes from unprotected townies down to characters, down to if nothing's adjacent, then it just moves towards the closest townie unprotected townie that it can find or whatever so there's an order of movement that you kind of follow for that and then once all that's done you know it's basically refresh everything and start the round over passing the first player token and you use all your actions to again try to get through the three monsters of the week to get the clues you need and then you grab the clues and then I think I said early, but every time you grab a clue, you produce a plot point. Once you get three plot points, the big bad reveals themselves, and then you, you got to remove the three plot points, and that's how you defeat the big bad. The bu- plot points added an added layer yep. of difficulty to to whatever else is going on in the game. Yep. So, and that's the gist of playing Buffy the Vampire Slayer game. So, components for Buffy. Components overall, I thought were pretty decent. I mean, it's a nice board. The cardboard is pretty decent because every all the tokens are punch car, punched out cardboard. Your character is a standee that goes on a standee, but it's punched cardboard. The big bad has a cardboard standee, and uh, your player 
boards are punched cardboard. The big bads are punched cardboard. There's a bunch of deck of cards in this. I think in general, they seem to stand up pretty good. I will say I'm on the fence about whether you need to sleeve the item cards because you shuffle that a lot. You shuffle it a lot, but you because you're going through it, you shuffle it at the end of every round, which seems, well, it seems like it's going to be a lot of wear. But we had a couple of rounds where we actually didn't throw away any, draw any cards, throw away any cards, yeah. so we didn't need to. And a lot but of the that, stuff that, that was on our two-player game. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I could see if everybody at a six-player game, if everybody's loaded up with everything they need, you know, you, or 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 don't have anything, and everybody's drawing. Right. And a lot of the locations are draw-specific items, so you're not necessarily going to be. Yeah, I don't know. They yeah. seem to hold up through one and a half plays. Yeah, they 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 held up so far for what we were doing, and like I said, there is a lot of shuffling to it. You may or may not. It's up to you, really. But I mean, you may or may not want to sleeve those. I said, of all the decks, the item deck gets shuffled every round, no matter what. And then the other thing, too, though, is when you use those locations. You know, you grab two crosses and shuffle the deck. Mm -hmm. You do X and shuffle the deck kind of thing. So there's a fair amount of shuffling of the item deck, for sure. But like I said, so far, it's it's held up pretty decent. What hasn't is the rule book. The rule book was uh, coming apart before the first play. I've got pieces of rule book. It's kind of come off in layers. The uh, it it basically went through the staple. I mean, that's you know, whatever. What are you doing with the book, have. dude? Come on! <laughs> After that first play, um, <laughs> but again, overall, I'm pretty happy with the components. This is a usually also where we talk about artwork a bit. Artwork is fine. You can tell who they're supposed to be, but not quite the likeness. The exact yeah, this is likenesses. one of those games where they have. The rights to the game, to the to the IP, but not to the characters, not to the actors. Yeah. So, Sarah Michelle Gellar is kind of bigger boobs than real life, and her face is kind of a generic blonde. Everybody is recognizable because you know Willow has red hair. You know Xander looks like a dork with a brush cut, that kind of thing. <laughs> so, it's all there, but none of them look like true likenesses. Yeah. So overall, I pretty happy with the components so what do you think yeah for the most part everything's good solid cardboard and like you pointed out the the artwork is okay just not not actor true yeah all right mechanics for buffy the vampire slayer what did you think of the mechanics the mechanics work well everything is would you say it's mechanically sound? <laughs> it is mechanically sound. <laughs> but here's the thing. I was going to save this for final thoughts, but we're, we're talking about mechanics. I say it's mechanically sound because this just feels like they lifted everything from one of the FFG Arkham games and then rethemed it to Buffy with a few changes. I'm sure that's very unfair, but it just seems like they took an already working engine and did it. Whether they did or not, their final product is a working engine. Everything works well. You have a limited number of things you're going to do on your turn because you have four actions. So you're going to do, if you're not using Xander, generally four things per round. And they're all very simple. 
even your cards, as you gain items, they give you an, an extra function for your basic items, for your basic abilities, I should say, the basic search, the basic fight, whatever. And then some discard stuff. If not, And not all cards have that. And if it is a discard ability, it tells you what to do and when to do it. And when you do it, how it affects whatever you're doing it to. So mechanically, it's sound. Everything flows from A to B pretty well. We, well, we'll discuss the shortcomings of the rule book. But <laughs> once we got to the point where we could play this without cursing, <laughs> it, it flows very well and it's mechanically very sound. Yeah. The mechanics work well. The dividing up your actions and trying to figure out how to do them to best, you know, whatever, deal with the, the monster of the week or save a townie or whatever, work out pretty pretty good. I like the round-robin nature of using the mm-hmm. actions instead of just saying four actions go, four actions go, four actions go. Once, once you have an experienced table, I think that would cut down on downtime a lot mm-hmm. and definitely is a good way of encouraging a fully cooperative play. Yeah. I think one of the only things I'm on the fence about is I don't know if I like the implementation of the check. I'm not sure how I feel about it's that just one. just because you got screwed every time you wanted to use well, your sword. <laughs> there, was, there was that. No, I just, I don't know. I liked it because it saved, a, yeah. as far as randomness goes, just from a, a box contents perspective, it saved one more component. They could have done dice or they could have done... Some kind of other yes-no thing, but mm-hmm. just putting it all there yeah. keeps the componentry down. Yeah. Like I said, I, I, I'm i not completely against it. I'm still kind of thinking that piece through. But typically, on most checks, you've got a two-third chance because usually they're telling you you've got two symbols of the three. There's only three symbols that can come up. And yet you, you get, never killed a demon. Oh, well, <laughs> no, come on. No, you got a couple. I, I had a streak of not being able to kill a demon. That deck just seriously needs to be shuffled more, apparently. Um, <laughs> oh, but wait. You were just, it shuffles a lot, complaining, too. You can't have it no, both ways. No, event deck. Oh, yes, that's true. That's true. Different deck. Different deck. So, yeah, I, I mean... In one aspect, you've got a fairly good chance of getting it the way they implemented it. I don't know. Just I don't know if I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's peeling through the event deck faster because of that, or you know, or kind of just having the card and there's all this stuff on it, and you're just using the symbol. Or I don't know what it is that's got me just a little bit off on it. But I don't I don't hate it, and it didn't ruin the experience for me. It's just the one thing that I'm still trying to figure out if I. I'm fully on board with. But other than that, everything else that they kind of implemented, fine with. The having the different actions, but having a limited number of ways, you know, you you could do one of each thing if you really wanted to on your turn, Mm -hmm. but that's not going to necessarily be the most efficient thing to do. So trying to figure out how to use your four tokens as things come up and using them in a way that benefits the team because mm-hmm. it's a co-op. So like one of the things we had discussed throughout the games was not necessarily everybody saving their special action token to the end. Cause then 
we just get a pile of bad things happening right mm-hmm. at the end before we turn it over to the monsters. <laughs> you know? uh, so little things like that to kind of think of. And 17 stuff. townies run to the bronze where there are 34 <laughs> vampires. Yeah. So little things like that. I, I did kind of like, I, I like that having to kind of plan out mm-hmm. when, do, when everybody should use their special uh, token and if it should be used for the special ability, because then that, that's the other thing then. Well, if we're not all using them at once, when does it make sense for if I want to use my special ability to get that in earlier or later, that kind of thing. So mechanically, I, I was fairly pleased, I think, overall with the game. I think it did a solid job. All right, rules. We're, we're at the, the rules for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You want to go? Production of tearing staples aside, I'm, I'm going to say this is a pretty mediocre or worse rule book. It looks nice, but it only gives you half, maybe two-thirds at best of what you need to play the game. I don't know what they're assuming you know from previous plays experience you, other games i don't know what they're assuming you're supposed to pick up by huge gaps in information like how do you use your tokens doesn't tell you there's just a lot of basic information that's in there or that's not in there and you had to go and find on bgg somebody else's new and improved checklist of or not checklist but player and and ai turn instructions and even that they prefaced with and we're sending it to the designer to make sure that we're getting it right it's it's just lacking a lot of information and what's there is not necessarily the best laid out and the best written either overall i agree with that I, I think the m- most of the information is there. It's not in a well-structured way. Like, so how to use tokens is there, but the fact that do you use them all at once or is it round robin, that's not there. Mm-hmm. So that was a discussion that needed to be had. Um, and then, like you said, verified with something we found online. And then there, there are other things. And the, the biggest thing I... That, that bothered me about the book, I think I told you this the other night, was, and and in, in all the plays, was, I just read this. But where is now it? Now I need to verify it because somebody asked about it again. I want to make sure I can, you know, read this is exactly what it says. But I can't find that spot again because it's not structurally laid out in a logical manner to me. Um, and it's kind of monochromatic. There's not even a lot of, oh, I remember it's on this page because mm-hmm. there's the big splash of red in the sidebar or something like that. There's not, well, monochromatic's the wrong word, but it's drab. <laughs> yeah. At least I think it's drab. So it's, the information is there. It's one of those things, too, like you can read it through before play which I did twice Mm -hmm. before we ever played the game. I think you kind of understand it, but, you know, there's always that people are going to ask questions and you want to 
give them the exact answer, that kind of thing. And then it gets frustrating because you can't find it in the rule book, even though you know you've seen a section about that or something like that. And then what, so, but once you get into play and try to sit down, you know, once you kind of get past most of the setup and stuff like that, there's not a good structure to follow. And even on the back of the rule book, they give you the monster activation stuff. And they they give you this little round sequence, but really, I mean, it's just like flip action tokens and trigger events. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, but what what does that necessarily mean? You know, they could have listed your basic actions. Yep. Could, you know, that kind of thing. And the symbols next to them. Even But they do put that on the character board. But from a teaching standpoint, especially if, you know, and we've talked about this with other games, if I've gone through the rule book, if you give me a good summary on the back, I can quickly teach a little bit more because it triggers things in your memory yep. when you're looking at things going through it that way. So just little things like that. The the rule book leaves definitely leaves a little bit to be desired. Uh, it can be a tough thing to try to use during a session, even if you've studied the book ahead of time. That said, you can get there. I would recommend, I don't know, a round or two of play that you just kind of figure as trial play mm-hmm. and then go, okay, what questions do we have? Let's figure it out. Now let's start the game kind of thing, potentially. All right, so teachability of Buffy. I well, think I, coming out of that rule yeah. book, I, I think we would both say that book as written, teachability is kind of low, but combined with the BGG resource that you found, yes, it becomes much, much easier and a much better teaching experience. Yeah, the... Uh, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer reference guide um, that's in the file section of the game is actually pretty good. Does I mean, it does what I want to see on the back of the rule book mm-hmm. and, and a little bit more. So uh, using this, things float a lot, lot better. So it, it's definitely a nice enhancement. If I went out to try to find, because there's a couple sites and I couldn't find the site I used to use, you know, that use, that do pretty reference guides, the pretty visual ones. But this, I mean, it's it's just a text doc for the most part, but it is solid. It, it definitely gets you through the game. So using that, you can teach the game a little bit easier. Like I said, using just the straight rule book, you might reach a frustration level um, depending on, on your group and how many questions they have and it's you're trying might, to find it's them. when. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Replayability for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So there are maybe six big bads somewhere in there. I believe it's six characters and six big bads. So there's six big bads. There's a a small deck of Monsters of the Week, which you usually only use like three of. Mm -hmm. Uh, I say usually because I think there's at least one big bad that might flip a fourth. Didn't the dark or the first evil or something? The first evil might have, yeah. yeah. So you might use a couple more but again it's a, it's a it's a deck of cards it's a small deck of cards but still if you're only using 3 at a time so those two pieces combined with depending on how many players you have you might use different characters if you have a full six player game every time then you're always going to use all six players maybe you switch up players or characters who uses what character there is replayability in that for sure overall and I, oh, I forgot, and how many times would you play this in a row is the other thing we added to this. Uh, so there is replayability in there. 
in that aspect. Overall gameplay, I would still say there's some replayability depending on how well you do. But as far as how many times I would play this in a row, I might do two. So uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I three, I might go. Let's let's grab a different game. <laughs> what do you think? I'd agree with you. The potential, the potential is high because. I mean, I think in theory you can solo this too, right? Yes. So you can go one to six. <clears throat> so just in the number of players, there's a lot of variety. And and the characters and the big bads, like you mentioned, I don't know if they have any plans to, but there's lots of stuff that they didn't take from the show. There's characters they could add. They could do sideboard for more locations. There's more big bads and more monsters of the weeks that, that they could add. You know, there's all sorts of stuff. They could even do the angel crossover and bring in some of Angel's characters or just do an angel game following the exact same mechanics. So potential replayability is high as it stands. Potential, you know, wish listing for expansions aside, <laughs> potential replayability is high. Actual replayability, I think, is low. I mean, I, I had a pretty good time with the game. I, I don't think it's bad. And at two players, I think I could definitely do two in a row. But at max players at six, I think that's kind of a a one and done for the night. Not because it's bad, but just because I think uh, at six players... As long as everybody is experienced, it will still be enjoyable, but I think the difficulty will ramp up because that's six events every turn. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a big ramp. I, I feel like it would be a big ramp at six. And I think the the stress and frustration level at six players, not necessarily a bad thing, mind you. You know, you want the game to feel like you're playing something of consequence. But I think at, at six, even at five, might might be just a one and done. All right, so now we get to theme for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. How well do you think they did with the theme on the game? I think they did pretty darn well. They've got a lot of the key Sunnydale locations on on the board. You've got many of the key characters, many of the popular big bads and 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 uh, bad guys of the week, and everything's there. Like in the artifacts, you can find Mr. Pointy. Uh, you found Phrase Blade. I keep referring it to his Phrase Blade because that's the miniseries <laughs> that he introduced it in. But the the first Slayer Blade or whatever it was called, the Slayer's Sword or whatever. You know, and then you, the, the, you know, the tokens for the vamps and the, the, the demons, they look good. So everything does kind of say this is a Buffyverse game. I think thematically it's done pretty well. Going back to the art, you know, sometimes looking at the characters is like it says it's Willow. It doesn't. It says it's Xander. It says it's Buffy. But but that's that's not a big detractor because after a while you're not really looking at your your plate, right? Well, and so I I think generally speaking. They did a, a good job with the theme and everything. I think game-wise and my experience with the game, I don't 
know if there was enough to really kind of pull me in to to, to the Buffy universe. It wasn't immersive. Yeah. No, not at all. But to harken back to my previous slam <laughs> of this just being a, an Arkham game that was lifted and reskinned, it, the, it was reskinned well. I think that if this was almost anything else other than Buffy or Arkham, it's it's not that innovative and it's not that awesome. So it would have to be a really good theme to really make me want to play it and keep playing it. And and the Buffy theme does that for me. It's strong enough for me to go, eh, okay, there are some faults here, but I definitely want to play it again. Yeah. Not Not a <laughs> weekly game, maybe a monthly game. Yeah, I, I just again, I think they did a good job with theming it and and uh, putting out the game, but I think there were several missed marks for me. Like the plot, things could have been a little more thematic and interactive. the The monster of the week could have felt more like a thing versus mm-hmm. just there's a token we have to go towards to do something. You know, just the big bad reveal. And I mean, there's these, there's two or three spots when, when the events come out, when the plots come out, when the monster of the week cards come up, at least, uh, the, even the big bad reveal, take that away. Those three things I felt had more potential that didn't quite live up to it that could have done a little more immersion. But that said, like I said, the, the game is, is solid. The game is fun. The game does a good job of the, the theme. It is, isn't something that I want to play all the time. It is something that I would gladly revisit. But those potential three missed points could have made, just tipped the scales a bit on this game to make it something where I'd go, okay, you know, this could be a weekly, monthly thing. It could come out more often type deal versus the, you know, how I feel kind of right now. Yeah, I'll play it if somebody suggests it. I don't know if I'll be the first to suggest it kind of thing. But it so it, it teetered right there for me. The theme is there, but just not quite enough to make this the game I wanted it to be maybe. This is another one where I, I think it's kind of like Dresden, where I said Dresden was designed for the hardcore Dresden fans mm-hmm. first, nobody second, and then everybody else third. <laughs> I think this is designed for somebody that has seen all the seasons and is well-versed in the lore. But then they do have a middle road. It's it's engageable or it's engaging even if you're not a hardcore Buffy fan or if even, you know, you're, you, you've watched some of it but you don't know everything. And then there is still a third tier of, hey, this is kind of a, a cool city mystery co-op, game. kind of, yeah. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. and we want to play a co-op tonight. So this this engages in all three levels, but I think its key compo- its key design is is for the hardcore Buffy fans. All right. So fun factor slash overall. Kind of covered it a little bit, but what do you got, sir? You know, like I said, I enjoyed it. And I, I definitely would like to play it again with more players just to see if it does ramp as I think it will. I don't think the difficulty itself goes up, uh, but the 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 wound management, I think, becomes much more critical, should become much more critical at uh, uh, higher levels, at uh, higher plays, ah, higher <laughs> number of players. So, enjoyable, 10, no, 1, no. Just somewhere <laughs> in the middle, 5 or 6, 
play it again. Don't want to own it. Yeah, the fun factor overall for me, I I'm there with you. It's it's five six. It's leaning more towards six. It's enjoyable. It's playable. I would play it again. I would teach it to some people, which at this point I would probably have to to keep their frustration level down a little bit, probably. And since I won't own it, <laughs> and since you won't own it, so o- overall it, it was enjoyable. Like I said, the the theme is there. It just missed a few marks with me to kind of push it a little bit over the edge. But it is worth a shot, especially if you have somebody that knows it and can teach it to you. I'd say give it a try. And, again, if you are a Buffy Buffy fan, um, definitely check it out. But, yeah, for me, like I said earlier, I'll play it. I probably won't be the first one to grab it off a shelf and put it on the table, though. All right, well, that's what we think of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the board game, 2016 version by Jasco. <laughs> you know, and if you've played it, why don't you let us know what you think? I, I kind of would like to start throwing that out, at I think, at the end of our reviews here. I, I'd like to hear what some other people think of some of these games if they've played them unfortunately we don't have the mixler thing but that was kind of one kind of the nice things in in the mixler side of things if somebody that was in chat kind of had played the same game or knew about it we'd we'd hear a little bit so uh hit us up you know it's podcast at allthisgeeks.com or you know twitter facebook wherever uh you want to give us a comment let us know if if you've played this version of buffy the vampire slayer let us know what you thought of it All right. So with that, I think we'll wrap this episode. Once again, thanks for hanging out with us and letting us talk about the things that uh, we talk about while we're sitting around a game table usually. Not everything. uh, Yeah, well, not everything. Yeah, (laughs) There are some things that, yeah. We don't want to get the double explicit tag on (laughs) iTunes. That might have to be an After Dark YouTube special or something. (laughs) YouTube Red. (laughs) All right. So with that. I'm Jeff King. And I definitely am the Canadian. Thanks for listening. Thank you for checking out a United Geeks Network family member. If you enjoyed it and are looking for other online media with a geek culture slant, head over to unitedgeeksnetwork.com where you will find Indie Conquest, a blog helping indie board game designers succeed, providing useful resources from designing games, utilizing Kickstarter, and finally manufacturing and distributing your games. The United Geeks Network. You can broadcast your geekiness at unitedgeeksnetwork.com. That's where we are.